The game called Papo and Yo turned out to be one of the most emotional experiences I've ever had as a gamer. And while I feel like I say that more and more, I'm pretty happy about that trend. Welcome to Top Score from Classical Minnesota Public Radio. I'm Emily Reese. The music to Papo and Yo can best be described as like an immersive venture into the sonic world of South America, but it's bolstered with dozens of instruments that the composer, Brian Dolivera, made himself. From the onset of the game, it becomes clear that Papo and Yo is actually a semi-autobiographical tale of the creator behind Papo and Yo, a man named Vander Caballero. That tale tells the story of a boy who has no other choice than to live with an alcoholic father who's physically abusive. In Papo and Yo, Kiko must keep Monster away from frogs. If Monster is away from frogs, he's calm and kind and usually sleeping. But if Monster gets a hold of a frog, he starts chasing Kiko and attacking him. And it is terrifying. But the tender moments between Monster and Kiko are so heartwarming, it offers a glimpse into the complicated lives people have when they're in abusive alcoholic circumstances. So accompanying all of that is the music of Brian, which, by the way, we have three download codes we're giving away for the Papo Indio soundtrack. You can hear more details at the end of this episode. met at a party it was it was very it was really chilled out actually and we didn't even know each other but right away there was a really good vibe and he came to my studio with this little tiny game um that basically was this little monster and this kid but it looked nothing like like what it is now mm-hmm. there was something just about him and i was like wow this okay this guy's really cool so let's i actually started working on the game like this was up this is over two years now that I started okay. working on it. And basically, I was part of the playable, the first stage of it. So I started with him from the very beginning. Wow. At first, it wasn't about a, a kid in a favela. It was more, he was, the seed idea was there already. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, the kid with the monster and and how the monster would get mad and when he eats frogs and attacks yes. <laughs> Kiko and everything. But then the whole idea of the favela came came up as the process went along. And then it just, it became what it is now. And it's funny because at a certain point when it when I started seeing uh, flashes of what was what, what it was becoming, it I was like suddenly like oh my god, this is totally this this couldn't be more ideal for what I do. and Latin influence of music is definitely very strong in what I do. Mm-hmm. I'm originally from Venezuela and Trinidad, 
Okay. So I grew up with, with a lot of that music. Mm-hmm. I play like a multitude of instruments. I think I play over 50 different instruments now. Wow. <laughs> point. Yeah. And uh, it's a game done by South Americans. Like, in a sense, Vander was the creative force in, in the images, but he basically gave me carte blanche to do everything else in terms of the sound, the music, and the audio. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When I first started going about it, I was like, okay, I want to make this something. I mean, it's very personal because I, I was actually doing music that – it was my music that I was doing with it. Yes. And it's actually really personal in so many ways, not just with the music, actually. Even the, the game has got a lot of personal connotations for myself as well. Yes. Uh, with my relationship with my father and, and sort of my, my childhood. Mm. I was able to bring that out and also, like, merge sort of everything that I'd been doing all my life in, in this game, you know. It was kind mm-hmm. of a, mm-hmm. it was a kind of like the perfect storm, I guess you could say. Yes. <laughs> that happened there, which was great. how the music layers in Papua Nio because every time you play you could hear the soundtrack differently correct yes and that is part of what I also that my approach what I did basically the music is completely reactive most of the music basically is, is separated into, into sometimes uh, even up, upwards of like 80 layers oh wow uh, you know so it's all separate each instrument that you hear is actually separate so Basically, the composition is all dependent on the player, uh, what the player's doing, basically. So, in, in a way, we get to create a little of the music with you, then, in some, yeah, basically, in some sense. Yeah, basically, yeah. yeah, depending on what you're doing. I mean, I, I spent a lot of time thinking, okay, well, what happens if the player does this? Where does this go? And, and there's randomizations to, within the music also if you stay in one spot. But, you know, depending what, what you're doing, where you're going, what happens, it, it all changes dynamically. Had you ever written anything of this magnitude in that style before? Um, not of this magnitude. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's kind of funny because I, I think I was, I've been building up all my life to be able to do this, you know, so... Mm-hmm. But yeah, this was the first time I actually got a chance to really express myself. At the same time, I burnt myself out. I think I don't think I slept for six months. Yeah, yeah, and we'll get to that too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also made some instruments for the soundtrack, right? Yeah, I did, actually. Mm-hmm. And um, it's kind of funny because I'm not much of a handyman. <laughs> <laughs> There's this really weird bowed instrument that I did. There's a bunch of stuff that I've done. And also, my whole thing is also using instruments, existing instruments, but in uncommon ways. Yes. It's funny because I read a lot of reviews and most people think it's mostly acoustic guitar with some flutes. And actually, <laughs> there's acoustic guitar in it, but a lot of it are other instruments that are not even South American, actually. Such as? Such as uh, like the African Kora, for example. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. a huge part of the, especially at the end, you hear it on, when you come into level two. 
People think it's a guitar, but it's actually a koda. <laughs> oh wow! Okay, okay. A lot of the percussion yes. uh, was played by by my teacher and also collaborator uh, Vovo. His name his name's Vovo. Mm-hmm. He's uh, he's a very old Brazilian percussion master. <laughs> he's mastered not only the Brazilian genres of music and knows all all that root all the roots from that, but also went to Africa and went to Cuba and learned all of those. So he was taking hybrids of different rhythms from different you know from Africa, from mm-hmm. Cuba, mm-hmm. from Brazil, and, and Combining them, and then those are the rhythms that are behind. So, you know, some of them are hundreds of years old. audio director in a sense so I mm-hmm. I got to I was looking at it from an overall sort of like holistic approach you know not just the music and um, I mean I, I wanted it to be as real yet magical as possible so for example mm-hmm. I actually went to South America and recorded a lot of the ambiences actually all of them that you hear there oh wow yeah I went with a 5.1 recorder and would go into the jungle wake up at 3 in the morning looking for frogs and, a, <laughs> and walk up for 5 hours into the summit of a hill while it's raining <laughs> like, wow Wow, yeah, yeah. it sound the game does sound wonderful. In addition to your music, just everything sounds really, really nice. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite scenes, uh, musically especially, comes toward the end when we're floating through the sky. Okay. It's called A Slow Realization. Yes. And this is... This is an interesting section in the game where you have limited control over the player, Kiko, right? We can move around a little bit, but Papo is also there on this platform as we're floating through the sky. But he turns into his father there. He turns back from the monster, right, into the human father. Yeah, that is a very special scene for me. And uh, it was one of my most challenging ones because Vander, when he created it, he showed it to me and he's like, this is all you, Brian. <laughs> yes, right. Because <laughs> you're stuck. I mean, it's a, you can get bored very easily. <laughs> it was like scoring for film, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes. It was really that in-between, between live action and film. Mm-hmm. And when I first did it, it was completely different. mentioned earlier that, you know, there were a number of months there where you didn't get a lot of sleep. And so after the game came out, you needed a break. Yeah. Can you tell me what you did? Well, <laughs> for the first while, I, I tried to rest and uh, whatever I did, it didn't really work. And um, actually, I ended up having a revelation. And within a day, like, you know, I had the revelation in the morning. I was like, okay, I have to go to the Amazon and I have to go see the shaman. Wow. <laughs> I had to go figure it out myself, you know, and it's kind of funny because there's a parallel with the game, but it actually was really strong within me. And so basically I bought a plane ticket and somehow it ended up working out that um, 
through a friend of mine, I ended up with one of the oldest shamans and well, most well-known in, in Peru, actually. So within two days, I was literally in the middle of the jungle, sitting down to start an you know, ayahuasca ceremony, and I was, you know, in a completely different world. <laughs> It's like being born and dying at the same time. Uh, they call it the spirit molecule. It's actual dimethyltryptamine, DMT that's within it. What happens in, in our brain is that our brain produces it, but all living beings in the world produce it as well. Okay. So it's a naturally recurring molecule, and basically a lot of people see it as the door to the soul. It's, I had to. I had a lot of stuff to go work out with my with my past and my childhood, and actually, part of it was also brought up with the game because I was so much in that state of mind, like I was. I was burnt out physically and mentally, mm -hmm. but also in a sense that I'd given so much of myself to it that I, that I had just had yeah. nothing left. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was a it was a good purging and recharge at the same time that happened when I went down there. The process of playing this game, Papo and Yo, of taking this small boy through this journey that's basically dictated by his alcoholic father. It it was. It, of course, an emotional experience. Was there any doubt how gamers would respond to this personal experience of going through this game? Um, yeah, I mean, there's always doubt, mm -hmm. especially when you're when you're the one in, the, in your little bubble doing it, and you're <laughs> like, okay, are people really going to understand this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I really did not know how people were going to react until it came out, you know. Yeah. I was a bit scared, but I was also really intrigued to find out, okay, what's going to happen, you know? Are people going to feel it, you know? Same right. way I've, I did when I was actually making the music. I grew up in the Andes Mountains of Venezuela, and okay. uh, you know, starting at the age of five, my mom got me into playing music, and I pretty much knew like this was my life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but I'm lucky too because my mom's an artist, so she was extremely encouraging from the very beginning. Oh, yeah. We were so poor that you know we couldn't, I couldn't afford even any kind of lessons or instruments or anything. So. Yeah. I would have to make my own toys, you know, take a yep. piece of wood and pretend it's a car and play with it, you know, <laughs> <laughs> on a dirt road or something, you know, yep. and then yep. and then I would end up, I pretty much ended up having to teach myself everything, you know. Wow. It was really hard, especially when I was younger, and, I, and also my, my father was never around, like he decided not to be part of my of, our, of my life, yeah. and uh, it, made, it made me stronger, you know, in the long run. Mm -hmm. Like, I really am grateful every day that I get to do what I do, you know, and I'm really lucky, you know. About the credit song, because this song actually we're introduced to it, you know, in various ways throughout the game. But that credit song, when the boy starts singing at the very end of the game, again, mm -hmm. is just 
heartbreakingly beautiful. <laughs> well, thank you. It's, it seems to bring tears to a lot of people's eyes, and it did for me when I first made it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The first time you hear it is when you, when you get into level two, when you meet Monster. Yep. So in a sense, it's Monster's theme. It's Pablo's theme that, I, that, okay. that we created. You know, a lot of people would have made it dramatic at the end, or, yeah. but I wanted to create something. I wanted to put people in a space where they really felt how Kiko was feeling inside, you know? Yes. And uh, that's where I had the idea to, to work with a, with a children's chor- a chorale. Mm-hmm. And, but at the same time, I didn't want it to be just a, a typical chorale. So um, with Vovo, we wrote, um, we wrote the, the words that are actually in Yoruba. What language is that's that? That's an African language, but they speak it in Brazil. Oh, okay. okay. And uh, actually, a lot of the, lang- like, the dialogue that you hear is actually a combination of Portuguese and Yoruba. Okay. And it talks about Kiko have, you know, letting go of, of Papo, his father, and basically saying, I'm ready to let go of you. Yeah. And that's what they're singing. <laughs> <laughs> Largely, this was recorded and performed by you, and that must have been exhausting as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did learn, like, I think about, I picked up at least 10 more instruments along the way oh, wow. that I learned on the spot, like the koda, the sarangi, and, the, and uh, actually, I didn't even know how to play violin before. I just kind of picked it up. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I did have some help from... Uh, from my cello teacher. Mm-hmm. She's an amazing cellist, uh, Eleanor Frey. Mm-hmm. I did also have a, a bit of a session work also with um, Loga Ramintorkin. He played guitar, something called a guitar viol, which is actually a bowed guitar. Oh, okay. So a lot of the eerie sounds that you hear, some of them actually are, are a guitar viola. And actually, he's, uh, he's done a lot of work on like Star Trek, uh, the game Star Trek, and uh, God of War, and a bunch of other really okay. good games. Okay, cool. Any games coming up? Are you or are you just done for a while with games? Uh, no, actually, we do have a couple games coming up. I'm I'm doing the next two games with Minority. Oh, cool! So they have, uh, yeah, you guys will hear about it soon enough, and um, they're uh, they're both going to be very interesting. The one I'm really looking forward to, it's gonna. Uh, I I'm not sure if I'm at, at freedom to speak about it yet. But <laughs> That's okay. Knowing what they do, it's going to be very interesting to oh, good. work with them again. Good. I can't wait to hear more and more from you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Top Score from Classical Minnesota Public Radio. I'm Emily Reese, and our technical director is Sam Keenan. A teen 
teeny bit of a holiday break coming up, but we won't keep you waiting for long. We still have episodes to share with you from Daniel Licht and Dishonored, as well as Enon Zur's music for Rift. If you would like a chance to win a download code for the Papo and Yo soundtrack, you can find an entry form online at classicalmpr.org slash topscore. We're giving away three codes and we'll draw a winner at random. Don't forget also to follow us on Twitter and Tumblr at Topscore Podcast. Oh, wow. 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 Wow.